A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Leighton Hewitt, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Andy Murray, I just have been trying to put it into words, I'm still trying to come up with the best way of trying to describe it, but he is a phenomenal competitive animal. I mean, it's unreal. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast on a day where Great Britain has reached the semi-finals of the Davis Cup by BNP Paribas for the first time in 34 years. Andy Murray wasn't even born in 1981 when Great Britain were last at that stage. And what a tie to look forward to because the opponents in September will be Australia who came back valiantly from two love down for only the second time in their history to win. 3-2. And, well, there's a, a member of the Queen's Club here who's just wandering out to the exit, a little bit overexcited, uh, making quacking duck noises with a little whistle, Catherine Whitaker, because that's in that kind of atmosphere here at the Queen's Club over the last few days. The other semi-finalists will be Belgium against Argentina, but this tie in particular at the Queen's Club has had a bit of everything, hasn't it? Including from the position of seeming strength of 2-1 overnight, Andy Murray had to dig as deep as I think I've seen him have to dig, certainly since the Wimbledon final when Djokovic was putting pressure on him in the third set. This one required every last drop of energy and resolve he'd got left because Gilles Simon played fantastic. Four-set win, though, in the end. Yeah, and I think that uh, Andy Murray thinks that that overnight position of strength was rather uh, over-egged. I think he feels like, you know, people were talking as if it was in the bag when it actually wasn't you know he still had to play the world number 11 and I, and I sensed a bit of um, annoyance from him about that that it was sort of considered a foregone conclusion that Andy Murray could just go out there and and take care of Gilles Simon as he, as he pointed out in the press conference just just now Gilles Simon absolutely what was the verb he used for what Gilles Simon did to Thomas Burdick on grass at Wimbledon a couple of weeks ago uh, it, it was a it was a rather harsh word for beating somebody. Absolutely mullered him. That's not what he said, but something like that. I mean, he absolutely killed Thomas Burditch in Wimbledon, lest we forget that. So, uh, and and he gave a very good description of of why Gilles Simon is so darn difficult to play. He said, the better you play, the better it makes him play. How blooming annoying must that be? I can't imagine anything more frustrating than that. You start playing brilliantly and it, and it, all it does is ups the level of your opponent. I mean, Especially if you're not feeling your best. I mean, Andy Murray went out there and he looked as if, frankly, if I didn't know any better, 
I'd have thought he'd got a hangover. I mean, you know, I know I've looked like that a few mornings. I mean, I've not been able to play tennis for three and a half hours straight afterwards. But he looked as if he was just a bit out on his feet. I should add that he hadn't been drinking. But, you know, it was that kind of euphoria he would have felt, I think, on Saturday night. And then it's the come down. It's the expectation of realising, as you said, that... Well, we're already talking about who, who they're going to play next in the next round, and I'm as guilty as anybody. I was already looking at whether the O2 was free in September, and I found out that the Dalai Lama has got it booked out on the 19th of September. So I was certainly counting my chickens. And as you say, that puts an extra pressure on, doesn't it? And these sports people, they just can't afford to think like that. No, he was as palpably exhausted as I've, uh, I have ever seen him. And, and when Andy Murray's exhausted, you definitely know about it, don't you? But even so, this was more visibly, more demonstrably exhausted than I've ever seen him. There was that point, I think, midway through the second set where they played an exhausting long rally, exhausting, and Andy Murray hit sort of 14 winners in it that obviously Gilles Simon got back to a length, which is what he does. And, and Gilles Simon ended up winning it, and Andy Murray just crumpled on onto the floor he he sunk down onto his knees and put his hand in his head in his hands and just visibly crumpled and you I I did at that point think he's he's not good enough to win this he's not he was basically enough. doing to Andy Murray what Andy Murray usually does to everybody else he was out murraying Murray wasn't he, from the back of the court. And that must be a really difficult thing to come to terms with, when, especially when 7,000 people are looking at you. You know, millions are watching around the country and everybody is not only hoping you win, but expecting you will win. Yeah, and I think at the beginning of the match, I think the mood of the crowd throughout the day shifted. It sort of started off really jubilant. There wasn't enough nervous tension in the air. I think even the crowd... Um, were sort of teeing themselves up for a day of celebration rather than a day of nervous anxiety about whether Andy Murray can bring it home or not. And I think Andy Murray had to shift the mood of the crowd to, you know, he had to sort of tell them, look, I, I need you. I don't want you, you know, it's all very well celebrating, but I need you to get me over the finish line here. And, and I could feel the mood changing. And in the end, he absolutely, the crowd absolutely delivered what he needed. On the subject of the crowd, by the way, I do need to... Uh, correct myself from my previous days it turns out our listeners are more musically astute than I am they're not tubers they are sousaphones of course they are I knew that (laughs) I had no clue that that's what they were in fact two people have actually told me that that's what they are and I still keep calling them tubers because I didn't know how to pronounce sousaphone until about two seconds ago it's a really big it's a David Law sized tuber is what a sousaphone is massive that's what it is it's an Evo Karlovich special now to, to look at that match in its detail, early on, as you said, Gilles Simon, absolutely fantastic. And he won the first set six games to four. I think there was still the assumption that, yeah, but Andy Murray's barely got out of bed, hasn't he? You know, he'll be all right soon. I commentated on the match for BBC Radio 5 Live and immediately went a breakdown. And there was a fatigue about Andy Murray. There was a lethargy that just hadn't been there for the rest of the tie. And the mind immediately went back for me to Italy just over a year ago, where Britain were 2-1 up overnight. He ran into a Fabio Fanini in great form and ended up losing pretty comprehensively in that tie. And eventually Britain went on to lose. And let's be honest, as well as James Ward played uh, against John Isner, he would have been a heavy underdog against whoever the, the French team had put up against him. So... Murray really, it wasn't all or nothing, but it wasn't too far off, was it? 
Uh, it, f it certainly felt like all or nothing to me, with all due respect to, to James Ward. Actually, Arno Clement said in French in his press conference that he was definitely going to put Gasquet in for that um, fifth rubber. He, he came under a lot of grilling for, for not putting Gasquet in. He said, look, well, I, he was going to play the fifth rubber and that could have been the most important one, the most, the one that it was most significant to be fresh for. Um, poor Richard Gasquet was having to sit there being talked about in the third person, sort of sit there listening to his captain, who I think defended his decisions very admirably um, and very magnanimous in defeat. Um, I, I, with the best will in the world, I, I wouldn't have put a single penny on on James Ward uh, repeating any heroics against Richard Gasquet again I don't think it's a particularly fantastic matchup for him so it certainly had a feeling of all or nothing and, and uh, it for a long time it had a feeling of nothing so it, you know first set beginning of the second set even up to that tie break really 4-1 down in the tie break it had a distinct feeling of let down and disappointment it wasn't a match that was inevitable that he would turn that around far from it no, absolutely. I mean, you, you, you mentioned 4-1 down in the tie-break. He was also 4-2 down in games in the second set at one stage. And as James Ward and uh, Colin Beecher and the rest of the backroom staff of the British team just walk past us here as we sit right next to the centre court here at the Queen's Club and uh, watch the British team... Uh, depart and they'll go their separate ways. In fact, Leon Smith, who we'll be talking to in a little bit of while, as a little round of applause sends Andy Murray on his way and he just raises his hand, a little smile on his face because he can relax now, can't he, Catherine? Because he's done the job. He's managed to win the tie for Great Britain. He signs a couple of autographs as he walks on by and he can go and have a, a celebration meal with the rest of the British team, which is exactly what Leon Smith told me that they're going to do after this, uh, this day's work that they've put into today but yeah we'll be hearing from Leon Smith in a minute but I'm keeping my voice down because I don't really want them to hear what we're talking about until they've gone and they're listening to the tennis podcast tonight Catherine Whitaker. obviously obviously yeah I, I mean maybe a little celebration nap first that's certainly what would be first on my agenda I'm having one of those <laughs> yeah exactly he certainly looks ready for he's going to sleep for the next three weeks isn't he something like that or uh certainly just go and lie on a beach somewhere I mean the relief that he must feel is I mean well we don't need to imagine it do we because we, we we saw it literally pouring out of him upon the conclusion of the match one of the most amazing emotional things I've ever witnessed in, te in tennis was Andy Murray sitting on sitting on the captain's bench alone sobbing but sobbing he was absolutely um, just releasing every emotion that he's felt for the past month two months that's certainly what it looked like yeah because um, I have no idea none of us have any idea what it is like to carry everybody's expectations of of your success and if you do well everybody's happy if you don't do well it's kind of your fault you know that's that's what it comes down to in the eyes of a lot of people okay I, I think most people are, are appreciative of his efforts, but still, the pressure he puts on himself is enormous, isn't it? And he's a perfectionist, and he wants to win every single point. Well, he finally managed to win just about enough. But in that second set, as we were talking about, 4-2 down, 4-1 down in the tiebreak, as you said. And commentating on that, he just it felt as though he was on the on a cliff face, holding on by his fingernails, and one by one, his fingertips were being removed from the last rock on that cliff face until he finally managed to put them back on and scramble his way up to safety of one set all. And once he was there, it was, a, it was more or less a new Andy Murray again. 
It was. It was 40 down in the second set and 4-1 down in the tie break and crucially really not playing well. Sort of he kept on trying to fight, fire himself. He was doing everything he could to try and find some good tennis and he just didn't seem to be there. It's one thing being 4-1 down and feeling like oh, I've been a bit unlucky, just stick with what I'm doing and uh, and I've got confidence that it'll all turn out all right. He must have been feeling pretty low on confidence at, at that moment. In fact, questioning probably everything that he was doing out there under the gaze of, uh, you know, two sousaphones and several thousand people, not to mention the millions watching on the telly. So, um, yeah, it, it was, I mean, the feat of turning that around, playing the way he was. I mean, he never played brilliantly throughout any of the match and he wasn't serving particularly well, so he wasn't getting any cheap points. Every every point, it seemed like, was a was a gargantuan marathon Simon-esque rally there was there were no free points no cheap points it was um he did it the hard way let's put it that way it certainly it certainly did this is the tennis podcast brought to you in association with the telegraph we are supported by BNP Paribas the bank for a changing world you know what Catherine I think we should hear now from the British Davis Cup captain Leon Smith well, Leon, many congratulations. That must feel pretty special because you were put through the mill. Not quite as much as Andy Murray, though. Nothing like Andy Murray. Um, I just have been trying to put it into words, been asked by a lot of press what I think of that performance, and I'm still trying to come up with the best way of just trying to describe it. But he is a phenomenal, competitive animal. I mean, it's unreal. It's just... Everyone saw how tired he was, how emotional it is for him to go out and play there. Everyone, you know, the weight of expectation, but he finds a way and he digs so deep. And Gilles Simon was obviously an inspired form and, you know, I'd watched him a lot over the grass court season and, you know, although he played very, very well, that was a step up again and and, and he just didn't put anything, didn't give Andy anything. And he was moving great, but then, you know, you see why Andy is such a champion and why he's won slams and why his Davis Cup record is what it is, because he finds a way. Um, and that's all we spoke about when he sat down. He was frustrated and obviously just wanting to win that match. And that's all we spoke about is find a way, use your instinct and go with what makes you the player that you are. And and all of us just, you know, we're, we're pretty speechless at how he manages to do it time and time again. And, and just so much respect for that. And just looking ahead quickly, Australia now. Did you find yourself waking up this morning and checking their results? It's a pretty enticing prospect, isn't it? Yeah, I had a look this morning, More, you know, not necessarily for us to play them because we had a big job here, but just to have a look at if, you know, when a team comes from two down as they've done, and we've done that before against um, against Russia, it, it shows you've got a very, very close team spirit with a lot of belief in it. Um, and they clearly, well, we see them a lot anyway, you know, throughout the year, and they are a very close, close group just like us. And they've got quite a few options. As well, they've got the young guys, Kyrgios, Kokonakis, who are dangerous um, and pretty fearless when they play. And then you've obviously got the senior leader in Leighton Hewitt, who is is really desperate to win this competition. And they'll they'll look at our tie and and go, well, that's France out. Um, and they'll think. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court says in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. You know, perhaps we're the inverted commas, the easier option, but... but we'll make sure we're not and we'll make sure we're prepared and we'll hopefully come in with as strong a team as possible for that tie. Andy Murray wasn't alive last time Britain were in a semi-final of the Davis Cup. That must be a pretty proud feeling for you. It is, yeah. Um, it's been a great journey to get to this point. I mean, it's been you know over five years now of, of doing this and uh, fortunately we managed to get to this point fairly quickly. And, yeah, I just hope it can continue because it's a good opportunity for us now moving forwards. I mean, clearly the way the draw's gone, it doesn't make it easy, but it does create an opportunity for us to try and, and, uh, and get past that and reach a final, which would be amazing. Very best of luck. Thank you very much. So there's Leon Smith, and you can hear the sort of mill that he went through in that tie as well. I found it fascinating in his first answer there, the way he was talking about how his role changed in those first couple of sets and how he was just trying to work it out with Andy Murray. Uh, what's going on? What are you feeling? What, what do you need to do? What's the best way around this? It's a different kind of captaincy, isn't it? It's interesting, very interesting hearing him and, and hearing Andy Murray in the press conference as well because I, I as, as a mere spectator, I was watching thinking Andy Murray just needs to fire himself up and find some energy here and just find some momentum, whereas actually they, they talked about an actual tactical change that they hatched up together, which, which I found very interesting. I didn't necessarily um, sort of make that assessment from courtside, but obviously they, they did make that change and... Uh, well, I mean, what a testament that is to his captaincy because um, Andy Murray didn't... Had that been a non-Davis Cup tie, had that Davis Cup match, had that been just Andy Murray working solo, he didn't look like he maybe had the energy or clarity of thought or, clarity, you know, the mental stability, really, to perhaps be able to hatch that plan, to turn things around on his own. Maybe that's some, you know, a feat he wouldn't have been able to achieve without Leon Smith there on the bench to help him out. 
and without the, the team in general, who I think are all so close and they just energise each other, don't they? Now, we've got a few questions uh, from our listeners. Ewan McQueen says, who do you expect to be picked by Australia for the semi-final against Great Britain? What do you think, Catherine? I think they'll pick Leighton Hewitt because... Not in singles, surely. Not no, in the no, first no. singles. I mean, we're talking team here, we're not, or are we talking for Well, let's, get, let's get really right serious now. Who's going to play those first two singles? Crikey. Well, obviously it depends on the surface. Let's, okay, let's set ourselves the premise of, I'm assuming it's going to be played on an indoor hard court somewhere. Certainly Andy Murray didn't shy away from saying, he didn't say I want the, the semi-final to be in Glasgow, but he did certainly say they would deserve it if they did that venue would deserve it if they did get the semi-final again given how they performed for the last tie so let's assume it's on an indoor hard court um i'd be picking nick kyrgios because uh he's their best player um i'd be picking sam groth singles oh, oh you're doing that again um no I'd of course ha- i'm doing that Catherine I'd, have I'd have him in the team i mean there's a lot of time between now and you know we need to see how they perform at the US Open stop sitting on the fence who are you going to pick in the singles I'll tell you who I'm going to pick okay. do you want to know I'd go to Nasi Kakanakis against Andy Murray that's who I'd be looking for because he's a big hitter he's reliable he'll come out firing he won't be concerned about playing Andy Murray he's practiced with him he's played doubles with him he's got a big game he'd be quite happy to play Andy Murray might probably lose but still he'll have a go I'd probably give him a better shout to BT Andy Murray than Sam Groth. Sam Groth, I think, was a fantastic pick uh, overnight for the Aussies because you know what you're going to get with him. He's not a firecracker. Well, I suppose, I mean, he is a big hitter, hitter, but he's not... I don't think he's ever going to be a world beater, but equally, I don't think he's ever going to let you down or really underperform. I think that's probably the nature of a, a big server. You do know what you're, you're going to get with him. So I think he was a good choice to steady the ship overnight. But I think ship steadying, they're going to need more than ship steadying. Uh, against Andy Murray so I'd probably agree with you but I would have Sam Groth in the squad for that reason that he's a pretty safe pair of hands you know you'd back him against James Ward probably I'd expect them to go with the same doubles team of Hewitt and Groth personally I actually think they'll probably do exactly what they've done here put the kids in first see if they can get Andy Murray out of there and get a point on the board Um, see if they can beat James Ward that's not that's not a given against, in fact, for any of the Australian team, I don't think I'd be as confident in any of the Australian team against James Ward as I was for Gilles Simon. No, I agree with you there. And, um, well, we're, we're leaving out the discussion topic of Bernard Tomic as well, aren't we? Because we don't know whether he'll be invited back into the Davis Cup fold or whether he would accept said invite were it extended to him. So, um, I mean... Would you pick him ahead of Sam Groth? I just don't. I don't really know. I, I guess it depends how the next couple of months pan out for him. Because do you ever know how any given week or month is going to pan out for Bernard Tomic? You don't, do you? Nor for Nick Kyrgios. And Ali wants to know what what impact do you think Kyrgios being dropped from the reverse singles will have on him? I'm hoping you'll learn from the experience, says Ali. I, I kind of feel as though. I just think that the, the tie as a whole will probably have done him quite a bit of good to have seen Leighton Hewitt dig in in that doubles and then come out with the win at the end. I, I'm, I'm hoping so for his sake, but you never know what Nick Kyrgios is going to do, really, do you? I think any time spent in a team environment with the focus not entirely on him, you know, seeing somebody like Leighton Hewitt gut something out the tough way, do things the tough way, I think that has to be positive for him and his future. I don't think being that that specific 
um, decision of being dropped will have any impact on him whatsoever. He's got he's got some confidence to burn, hasn't he? So even if he did have to burn some there, uh, I think he's still up in the confidence stakes. Yeah, there's a decent vault there to fall back on. M wants to know, where will the tie be played and on what surface? Well, I don't really know where it'll be played. As you said, Andy Murray certainly making a decent case for Glasgow, certainly not saying it has to be, but, you know, the, the, the feeling is that Frankly, it works so well there. And as an indoor venue, which this most certainly will be in, where better, frankly? I mean, I think there are a number of places around the country that could certainly house brilliant indoor matches. You remember the National Indoor Arena for those ties that Britain played against the United States and uh, against Sweden. There are a number of them, aren't there? I think wherever it goes, it's going to have a great atmosphere. But there is the logistical element, isn't there? Which places are available? It's pretty short notice, only a couple of months to go. Dorothy Bryant, I think it'll be indoor hardcore, by the way. What do you think? I think an indoor hardcore. I heard somebody suggest the Albert Hall, by the way, which isn't going to happen because that venue gets booked up two years in advance. It's too small, anyway. It is too, it is too small. It's impractical. It, it, it could never, ever happen in a million years. However, it did give me a glori- glorious image in my head of a Davis Cup semi-final or final being played at the Albert Hall and that was that was quite a glorious image in my mind at yeah least. but we've already got our rematch to look forward to there which is pretty much the same thing isn't it oh maybe the glorious image I was imagining was my moment of victory sorry perhaps I've become confused yeah that's one that won't happen that's in your dreams uh, now uh, David Marino says does this amazing weekend prove that the Davis Cup format should not be modified but simply better integrated into the calendar well I think it's a difficult one, isn't it? We've talked about it in the past. What what we do know for sure is that it is not easy to schedule because there's so much going on. But could you imagine a much better environment and atmosphere than we had over this weekend? I mean, you can make a lot of calls for changes, but that was pretty amazing. And the home and away element to this competition is what produces that, that great atmosphere. This is one of the best tennis experiences I've ever had um and i think i'd probably say that even if i'd been a neutral which obviously for professional reasons i was entirely um yeah i think just seeing people enjoy feel the joy of tennis in in this way is extremely powerful and i understand that it's an extreme difficult job to schedule and and i I am sympathetic with all the criticisms. However, you've always got to say back okay, well when would you schedule it? Like when when is it's the most packed calendar in sport it's the most it's the lengthiest it's the most unrelenting relentless so so when what's the alternative when would you schedule it and I I think it's a testament to how much it does mean to these players that so much yeah yeah the top players don't play all the time but they do play a lot they do and uh, all of the top four barring Murray okay all four of the top five if we're including Nadal in that for uh, for old time's sake, perhaps, um, have won the Davis Cup and count it among their greatest achievements. So, I mean, that speaks for itself. And in fact, so just to finish on, on that subject, uh, we have a question here. Where would a Davis Cup win, i.e. winning the whole thing, put Andy Murray among the greats in tennis history at this point in his career? I mean, I think that's a difficult one because he just doesn't have anything like the same number of Grand Slam tournament wins. And as you said, most of those other top players who've won many more Grand Slams have also won the Davis Cup. But what I think it would be 
is a huge achievement on the sort of even Lubicic scale of somebody who's having to, to be the standout player and, OK, not do it on his own, but have to do a heck of a lot of the heavy lifting while trying to remain competitive at Grand Slam tournaments and keep a top five ranking up in the world. It would be one of his greatest achievements, I think, if he, if he were to help Britain to win this Davis Cup. It would. I think it's difficult to see it altering the landscape in terms of the greatest or the greatest at the at the moment on the tour because all the others have and and they, they you know, Vavrinka, Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, they put a lot into winning the Davis Cup. They targeted it and they said, right, this is something I want on my mantelpiece at the end of my career, and they went for it and they did it. And Andy Murray is doing the same this season. Um, what I do, th- what I think, is perhaps a, a better question, if you don't mind, dear listener. Me, alter- you telling them how to ask the questions. Altering now. your question slightly, I do ask think, the questions and then answer. Them. I do think it would slightly change the complexion of Andy Murray's standing in terms of British all-time British sports people, because I think it would make him one of the best British sports people of all time, unquestionably. To, to have done what he's done in the era that he's done it, his individual achievements alone put him in the conversation for that. But I think if he were able to achieve this, representing his country, that would put him as one of the, the first names in that conversation. Who's going to win the Davis Cup semi-final between uh, Great Britain and Australia, Catherine? And who's going to win between Argentina and Belgium? Well, I think uh, I, ex- I would expect Andy Murray to win both his singles again. Ex- you know, expect, expect without great confidence, just like this tie. And then I think it comes down to the doubles. And I think actually it's a better matchup for GB than this weekend's doubles. So I'm going to pick Great Britain, as are the bookies at this stage. So um, I'm, on, I'm on pretty firm ground, I think much as I hate to agree with you, I think I'm going to. Uh, and then Belgium against Argentina. Who's going to be in the final? Well, if uh, Argentina reached the final, that would be another match staged in Britain. It would go to Belgium if, uh, if they got through. Yeah, it's, it's tricky, isn't it, that one? I mean, both nations have done extraordinarily well to get where they are. I think David Goffin will win both his singles, especially given that Belgium are at home for that one and choosing the venue. I think David Goffin will win both his singles, but I think that Argentina has the stronger doubles pairing. They've got Burlock, they've got Delbonis. I think I'm picking Argentina for an away win there. Wow, that would be quite some result. I think I'd go the other way. I think Belgium are going to come out and top in that one, given how well they played at home. But it is all still to play for. The Davies Cup by BNP Paribas has been a thrilling weekend of sporting action. I mean, on BBC Radio 5 Live, we were knocking off the Open Golf and the Ashes Cricket and the Tour de France. That's how popular it was. Don't mention the Ashes on a day of glory for British sport, David. Why would you do that? You've just sullied the whole experience. Sorry about that, everybody. Well, so I can hear the Australian listeners among you celebrating as we speak. Well, Catherine Whittaker and myself are going to go and have a little bit of a holiday now, aren't we, for a few weeks. There will be no tennis podcasts for the next few weeks, but we will be back just before the US Open. We might be able to fit in a, a couple of shows in the lead-up to the US Open. Catherine Whittaker is going to go on her way to a couple of tournaments. You know, I might find my way to somewhere as well. Who knows? <laughs> Someone might invite you somewhere. No, I don't think so. (laughs) I'm going on my holidays. Uh, But anyway, thank you for your company, for downloading the Tennis Podcast, which is brought to you 
in association with The Telegraph. We have been supported over the last few weeks by BNP Paribas, the bank for a changing world. It has been a pleasure to do these shows for us. We hope you've enjoyed them as well. And we will be back with you very soon. But thank you for now for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.